everybody, and welcome back to another episode of No Regrets Marriage Ministries Podcast. I'm Johnny Morton, your host. And I'm Carla. And we are glad you could spend some of your week with us this week. Uh, today, what we want to talk about is we've sort of given hints at it before we mentioned this idea of love languages in the past and the importance of keeping that love tank filled. But over the past uh, month, someone was sharing some information with us and talking about uh, a new love language test. So we sort of want to talk about that today and, and make sure you are aware of it and really looking how does it connect with the old one. So uh, let's just jump on into it. A lot of people, I think, you know, I know the book sold millions of copies, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Uh, I know it's been an important part in our marriage. We've used it in our seminars. And, you know, I think it's just solid and valid. How do you say, just thinking about us for a minute, Carlin, talking about the five love languages, how has that looked in our relationship? Well, I think one of the things that's interesting, we probably did it early on, I'm thinking. I can't totally remember, but, you know, it's sort of just a little test you do, and sometimes you do it before you're getting married or in you know, some sort of setting like that where you're looking at the idea of how does my partner really want to receive love? And then obviously flipping that, how do they generally want to give it? Now, the interesting thing is we typically want to give it the way we would want to receive it. The challenge or the issue may be, for example, if my love language was gifts, meaning I would feel the most love when you are giving me gifts and you think that is crazy to spend money on anything and you certainly aren't going to home make me a gift. So like, even though you might do a lot of other things, you're not really resonating with the way I receive love. So it really is an important tool, I think, that couples sort of figure out what is each other's love language. Yeah, and you just mentioned gifts. That's one of the five. Real quick, going through the others, there's quality time. There's words of affirmation, uh, physical touch, and acts of service along with gifts. And as you said, when we looked at ours, um, I think yours was acts of service was one of your main ones when we were first early on in our marriage. Absolutely. So you used to say, don't tell me you love me. Don't give me gifts. Just show me by doing the things you've asked me to do. And what did you like to do? I gave gifts. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I was a gift giver. Yes. And again, I'm not, and I'm not knocking. No, you did like gifts. I do like gifts, but if I need the grass mode, I really wanted the grass mode because that really was what said love to me as opposed to a gift. Yeah, so one of the frustrations we had early on is we just didn't speak the same language. And, you know, we finally learned over time. But one of the interesting things is as we got older, I think our love language has changed a little bit. Yes, they So did. that's not unusual. That's, that might happen to somebody. We've also seen with some couples that they may have done this earlier on in their marriage or prior to getting married or something, and they now are X number of years into their marriage and we redo, we have them redo that a little assessment test, and they come out differently. And so it could be that that's kind of interesting because maybe what you thought your spouse was wanting or needing now has shifted. And so even though you think you're doing these things that are on target, it might have shifted. 
Yeah, so let's make sure we give credit. Gary Chapman, he was the original author of The Five Love Languages. It spread out to like the five love languages of teens and children and the workplace. And if you've never done it, I'd really encourage you, if you just do a quick search Five Love Languages on time, it's going to pop up. And there's a number of different versions of the test. But I would go to the Gary Chapman's website to find it. One of the cool things, though, is that somebody just not long ago, one of our friends, in fact, someone in our home group said, have you seen the new love language test? And I'm like, didn't know there was one. And come to find out after doing some research that a website called truity.com, that's T-R-U-I-T-Y.com, has sort of come up with what they call a modern love language test. And they talk about the original one, the five love languages, and they just said that they think that in today's culture and as as people have changed and how they relate to each other, that they've sort of expanded it from the five love languages to seven love languages. So what I thought we'd talk about tonight is just sort of look at it and compare them. And I do think there's a lot of interconnection between the two. And I, I just hope you'll find it, get learn something new, and then maybe something you can try together as a couple and then look at both of them. Um, and going back, before we talk about the truity, one of the things we talked about in love languages, just as in real languages, there's often different dialects. If you think of uh, China, that some people just say, oh, do you speak Chinese? Well, there's dozens, maybe I don't even know hundreds of different dialects in Chinese. And so love language is the same thing. One idea of somebody's need for quality time might be different than somebody else's. Right. Yeah. Uh, One idea of acts of service might look different than somebody else's. And we've always talked about how important it is, hey, figure out your spouse. And that comes from talking and interaction with each other and just asking them, how do you need to feel loved? Yeah, and sometimes it's interesting because sometimes we ask that or we have couples ask one another that or as part of their kind of assessment and things we're doing, and they honestly have like this blank look. Like you're like, how do you want to be loved? How do you feel loved by your spouse? And sometimes they just sort of look at us or look at their spouse like, I don't really know. And so that you you honestly, if that's your reaction to that question, then you want to think about one, one way to look at it is you could flip it and you could almost say, when do I feel not loved or when do I feel unloved? For example, if the first thing that comes to your mind is I feel so hurt when they miss an important um, occasion and there's no gift or card or something thoughtful about it, the anniversary slips their mind. The first whatever slips their mind, the birthday, the Christmas present, Valentine's, whatever it is, and you that then you may not realize it, but gestures around something that's a important day to you or something may mean it. It may not mean you want an expensive gift, but you may want an acknowledgement of it. So sometimes you might think about what are the things that maybe hurt or upset me when my spouse doesn't do it. That might help you think about the way you really are wanting to be loved. And sort of on the other side of the corner of that, if you're trying to figure out where your spouse is, is what are the things that they keep asking for? Hey, I wish you would sit and talk with me. I wish we spent more time together. I wish that you would, you know, do something with gifts. I wish that 
you know, you would hold me more. Those kind of things may give you an idea that maybe they're having needs there that I'm not really meeting. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about truity. We already talked about the five traditional love languages, quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch, acts of service, and gifts. Well, on the new test, they have seven, and they are the following. Uh, Number one, emotional. Number two, intellectual. Then they add physical. They add activity as a love language. Appreciation and financial. Do they give you money? Or do you give the other person money? I think we can talk about what they equate to. And so one thing that's interesting is the way they couch them is in different ways. But I think when you look at them, they really correlate. It's almost like I think in one particular area of the five love languages that they've broken it out into even more. Gotcha. Let me talk real quick about the ones that I think probably go the most. I think when you talk about gifts under the original love languages and financial under the truity test, that's what they're getting at. Uh. So gifts, like you said before, it doesn't have to be expensive. Sometimes, of course, expensive is nice. But it's the idea that somebody is willing to commit to you in financial ways to say, hey, I love you. It could be taking you out to dinner. It could be having a special event or special occasion for you. And that's real similar to what financial undertruity is. Gotcha. So those two, I think, correlate. I think the other ones that correlate, I think, appreciation and words of affirmation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that is just really building them up and saying, hey, I appreciate you. And there's a lot of different ways that you could do that. Well, it probably makes sense. Probably today, I would bet the word appreciation um, resonates maybe more with words of affirmation, maybe. And so that may just be a different kind of way to say it almost. Yeah. When you think about that, sometimes it doesn't have to be actual verbal words. Right, it can true. be notes and text and emails in all sorts of little things, but it's just expressing to that other person, hey, this is something I really do appreciate about, about you. you. Okay, so those are the first two. The other one, and this probably makes sense, physical with physical touch. Gotcha. Yeah, the, and that's So your just, love language is physical. Yeah, it's the physical. It's the, the hugs, the kisses. We're not talking about having sex, although that's probably part of it. But it's holding hands. It's cuddling. It's hugging. It's the... When you need to feel loved, it's like, hey, can you just hold me right now? It's sort of that kind of thing. Okay. Okay, so those three pretty much go all across. And here's where that other one comes into. And that's this, I guess you would say one, uh, one last one, and that is uh, acts of service. I think a lot of that falls into maybe this idea of activity a little bit, but maybe not so much. Okay, so it's different? Yeah, I think it's a little different because now that I'm thinking about it, I think it really qualifies more what they've done is they've broken quality time. Oh, quality time into different ways that that might um, look. Maybe the dialects. Okay, so different dialects under quality time. Because it may be that you have a woman who says quality time and she means one thing and you've got a guy who's thinking quality time and that means something totally different. That may different be more that. activities or something. Okay, yeah. shared activities. So I think when you take the three parts of the truity test, emotional, intellectual, and activity, that they kind of fall under that idea of quality time. Okay, so those three kind of break it. Those are three like 
subs under maybe the quality part. Yeah, if I was sort of doing a love language, if we were teaching it from that standpoint, I would probably break it down in almost like three subsets, if yeah. that kind of makes okay. sense. Yeah. So let's look at those real quick. And if you can, hey, trust me, you can totally disagree with us on this. Uh, to be honest, this is something I've just really started thinking about and looking at the comparison of the two. And I think both of them, they're equally valid as far as saying, hey, how can I express love to my spouse in a better way? So that gets across to them so they don't have to worry about it. Let's think of the emotional. Um, if I said emotional and quality time, how do you? How would you describe that? Oh, gosh. I think, like, if you're asking me how would I feel like an emotional connection via, via time or something, yes. well, for me, I would probably say that would look like what you're probably going to hate is this idea that we would sit we would have a cup of coffee. We would literally talk, and we would share things going on in our lives. Yeah. We're it, not watching a ball game. We're not even driving somewhere. It is like literally we're looking at one another and talking and sharing. Yeah, it's all about building up that concept of emotional intimacy between I, a couple. I, can, I would love to know, is there a way to know, like, do does any man alive want that as their love language? I don't know. If I want you them are, to call if in. If you are, do, you know, send in and send tell in us something. about that. Tell Check us about out that. our website from our podcast. Let us know if, if you're a guy and that's your... I mean, I would love to know that because I feel like that leans more so much toward a female and her use... And when we talked about the top desires of when you're talking a female, most women desire this. And I'm thinking, wow, that's interesting. If she finds a man like this, yeah. And most awesome. guys, I think, struggle to give. It. Yeah, I, I think, I think that's a place of a. It's a barrier a lot of times for a lot of men. So that's interesting. All right, the other one. Let's talk about activity because I think what guys often say, and we talked about this in our needs of men cash. I think men want companionship, and so I think to a man, we're for maybe for a woman that the idea of, hey, let's sit and talk and share what your heart is and your desires and your fears and your dreams and all of those things, a guy might be... Let's hey, go shoot something. Yeah, let's go shoot something together. Uh. <laughs> or more like, hey, let's go, let's just be together. You know, if I like riding bikes, hey, I want you to go with me. I want you to share the experience. If it's sports, if it's art, if it's music, that is that shared experiences of this thing that we're doing together, that speaks quality time, that speaks love to them. Hey, that you're willing to go with me and do the things that I love doing. Yeah, and y'all, when you think about that, I just, in my brain, I think, okay, so the man is thinking, I love sports. I love watching whatever sport it is. At my house, it was every single sport that there it, is it, yeah. known to man. Okay, but anyway, so he's he's thinking into in his brain, I really wish he'd come sit down and just sit and watch the game with me. Just sit with me. So to you, or, or a man that has this desire, that's why he wants to be loved, That that is very loving for the wife to just come and sit there and be with him. Now, we're not communicating in any human way, 
basically, but by virtue that you're sitting beside one another. Well, I don't think I think it's probably more than sitting. I don't know so much the sitting. I think oh, it would they be don't like talk going. about the game. No, I think it'd be going and doing the well, experience. Okay, is but more I, what guys look for. I do think there are men that they're. They do. They desire their wife to come and sit and watch the ball game with them. I think that is what they want. So what's interesting is for a woman, she may willingly do that, and she may love the game. She may like doing that. But it is. You've yelled at a few TVs over the years. Yes, I have. Um, but I'm thinking, it's just interesting again. But it sort of screams how important it is that we figure this out because even though I'm sitting here thinking, well, that's just silly. I mean, there's no real connecting if you're just sitting watching a game together. I mean, what does that really do? But if the other person, if that is what says love and being together and just in each other's presence, then we really want to make certain that we're not doing that about the way our spouse wants to be loved. True. All right. So we've looked at emotional and that connection and the idea of quality time. We've talked about activity, which I think it is for a lot of guys. And then this is sort of one that I've never really thought about before. And what's interesting, and some people I've had take the new one, the truity test, they sort of said, yeah, that really resonates with me. And that is this idea of intellectual. Mm -hmm. And it's the idea that some people want somebody, their spouse particularly, to sit with them and engage in the discussion of different ideas. Yeah. We just had someone not long ago that in a coaching session, they were talking about, hey, I want my wife to talk politics and debate with me, which was probably the last thing she even wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. And yet that was important to him. Well, and I have, we have had other couples that really struggled in this area, interestingly, because one of the, one or the other, had a real need for this. Like, I don't want it to all just be fun and games and what's the next trip and what's the next ball game and this. I want to talk about some important issues of our time. And if the other one, maybe just by virtue of temperament or whatever, didn't like to do that as much, but that's a true need, man, it ended up negatively impacting the marriage. Because what the one spouse felt about the other is they can't ever give me what I'm really wanting. Yeah, and it's like, this is so important to me, they can't understand me. Yes. And, uh, you know, until recently, until I really saw this thing, I'd really never really seen that aspect in a relationship. I never really thought of that as a love language, as a way of expressing and receiving love, but I can see how it is. Well, what's interesting about that, and for some of the couples that we've talked to, what they find is... It's almost like it's a it should be or can be a safe place for them to do this. And they do it kind of with friends and in the work world and stuff like that, but they really want it with their spouse. They really want to debate these ideas and exchange this back and forth thing, again, within the safety of love and acceptance of one another. But when you don't have that, for that spouse, that's really not meeting their their needs in that area. And, and to me, and when I looked at this, I think that was really one of the most surprising ones. And that is definitely one that I really don't know that the original five lung languages that. captures that yeah. in a way. I think maybe under that quality time, because that looks so different to everybody, I think maybe you could say it was 
somewhere so part in of it, there. Yeah, you could use that as your way of having quality time. But yeah, it's but not I never really out. understood that. My quality time was always leaning more towards the emotional interconnection and building that emotional relationship and maybe some of the you know, activity companionship. Yeah. But really intellectual, kind of strange. I just never thought about that. So I think it's actually really cool because that, that's an aspect we've seen in couples we've worked with. Well, and so what's neat is if you haven't ever done the test or it's been a long time, then absolutely go look up one or both. Yeah, I'd encourage these. you to do both. Yeah, and, and see because maybe... What your intention is at times is loving your spouse either in a way you assume they want to be loved or probably more than likely you're loving in a way you want to be loved. And the problem is it may not be hitting its target. Yeah, and as we talk about this, and even as what's sort of funny is we're talking about this, I'm sort of processing all of this in my mind, and I probably will continue to do so. You know, one of the things I'm looking at acts of service, and I don't really see a a real parallel in the truity. Maybe it's under the appreciation. Maybe that's another avenue of that. Okay, so in showing appreciation, you do by, these things for me. It's by doing things for them, something like that, which is kind of interesting. Here's the thing. Hey, both of them, the five love languages, the seven love languages that truity's doing, hey, they're a tool to help you build a stronger marriage. So what I'd really encourage you to do, hey, great date night material. Yeah that you find a time, both of you do these, if you haven't ever done any of them, if you have, great, you already know one, but especially maybe a lot of people haven't done the truity one. And so that might really spark some conversation. And especially going back to our five questions that we've talked about earlier, and we did another podcast on, hey, how would you like to be loved? And it might give you some really brand new insights on doing that. Yeah. So last words, I love you. Yes, and it is nice when we love in a way that really hits the mark for their, for our spouse. Yeah. So, hey, take some time, have some fun with it, but figure out how can I love you better than the way that I'm doing now. All right, I think we'll uh we'll end with that. So, five love languages, truity.com is where you can find the seven love languages. And uh, we just want to encourage you to keep on forging those strong marriages. Bye.